Blog Talk Radio. Warriors, come out to play. Warriors, come out to play. Inside the park. Inside the, inside the, inside the, inside the park. The RSG family. My usual suspects with me. Hot baseball topic. We're just gonna jump right into it. Now, 
you know, what's interesting, I, I think, if anything, this gives the Rangers a lot of leverage when it comes towards the end of the season. Um, whether Josh Hamilton is going to be a member of their team or not going forward, um, I think what this streak says, especially as it extends itself, you know, there's reports about him acting out a little bit at the All-Star break. Um, it, it says that this isn't a 25 or $20 million a year guy for seven, eight, nine, ten years. He's not going to get Pujols money. He's not going to get bottle money. He's not going to get fielder money. Um, I think this kind of paves the way in my mind for the Rangers to offer him that three-year, $60 million deal, and it also scares away the other teams that may have offered him that $200, $250 million contract. Um, so in the short term, I think they're batting him fifth, trying to get his stroke back a little bit. I think that's great. I don't think there's any reason to think that he's fallen off a cliff and can't come back. He'll get back from this. He'll produce at the level he's been producing, maybe not the way he was producing that week in June, but at an all-star level. And then when the end of the season comes, you're going to be able to get him at a $100, $150 million discount for the Rangers. So I think this is a good time for the Rangers, given that he's not going to fall off a cliff. Well, let me let me uh, touch on that for a minute. You said you cannot trade Josh Hamilton. What if uh, what if Arizona was willing to throw him your way for Justin Upton? You got you know. Then would you be able to trade Josh Hamilton? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's a you you could. But why would Arizona ever make that deal? You know, I, I was thinking about. I don't know that you could have a taker for him at this point. You know, because so, he's not on any type of hot streak. Um, you know, as far as teams know, this could be, I hate to say it, but a, a relapse of some sort coming back from his part. So I don't see how another team could have offered up any type of, of equal value to get him at this point. Now, if someone did, heck, yeah, I'd trade Josh Hamilton. I just, uh, um, I just don't think that you would have gotten equal value at this point. Okay, Alex, what are you doing? You, you're the GM. What are you doing with him? Um, i got to agree with Michael for the most part on this one and say that um, – I would not Mike. trade him at the situation. Yeah, Mike, sorry. <laughs> I would go ahead and say uh, with Mike that I would not trade him at this point. Uh, the man's 31 years old. Mike talked about a you know a three-year contract for $60 million. I mean, I would even go as high as maybe five years to see, you know, he's going to be in the AL. He can DH for you. He, you know, you can keep him around for maybe a little longer than three years and give him that big money if you want, if you believe in him. But I would have my concerns with this season. I would I would have a little concerns because if you take that one week out that he had in the beginning of the season where he had 10 home runs or 11 home runs in that week and had an amazing week, you take that away and you give him, you know, normal numbers, his numbers are not that significantly better than a Justin Upton. If, you know, if someone was willing to deal a Justin Upton type player, a younger star athlete like Justin Upton, I would take that trade. I would go for it. But like Mike said, you know, if someone's willing to give up that much for Josh Hamilton, then, yeah, I mean, you've got to make the trade. But if there isn't that type of talent that someone's going to give you in return, how can you get rid of a man that, you know, still has 29 home runs and 84 RBIs on the season? So that would be my guess at it. Okay, and let, let me let me preface that a little bit. My issue with Josh Hamilton, and I touched on this in the beginning of the year, has always been that the guy has a problem putting it together for a full year, whether it's injuries, whether it's uh, a substance abuse relapse. I I can recall only one year, the year that he won the MVP award, where he put it together for a full season. He misses a lot of time. So let me ask you guys this. Did did the Rangers miss miss the mark on this one? Because it seemed like they didn't want to sign him to a long-term deal after he had the – the drinking issue at the bar where Ian Kinsler um, came and rescued him. So they they were kind of reluctant. They put the contract talks on hold. My, my thinking here, and, and you guys let me know what you think, you never trade a guy when he's low like he is now because, like Mike said, you're not going to get that value. Knowing that they have some questions and reservations about re-signing him, should they have traded him when he was on his hot streak? But how can you do that if you're the Rangers? You, you can't do that. You've got a guy who's, who's knocking the cover off the ball, and you've already seen he, he's got a track record over the last three years of when he's in the lineup being an absolute stud. So, you know, really the, the pillar of that team, you, you can't trade him. You can't trade him well, at that you point. Well, trade him, you trade him I mean, because 
you know you're not going to re-sign him, and he's tearing the cover off the ball, so you can probably get a whole lot in return for him. And you get something just because his name is Josh Hamilton, too. You know, people know he's number one overall pick. You know, his, everyone knows his story. He's going to fill the seats for a team. You know, I, I kind of have to lean with you on this one and say if the, if the price was right, you know, if you yeah. know he's going to slump, if you know that he had problems before the season, too, because he did, you know, he, he relapsed before the season. And, you know, you you, you got to look at that and a long-term thing for the for the Texas Rangers, for their com- for their company and their what they are. So I would I have to say that if the price is right, yeah. I mean, he hasn't put a full season together. He's not played over 100 and, you know, 140 games in the past four years. So, I mean – Health issues, mental issues, all those things that have come into play when you think about trading him before a tread deadline and giving him a contract extension. So, two yeah, you know, Texas, Texas is the one team that can afford to trade, could have afforded to trade a Josh Allenson and probably not miss a beat with all those bets they have. Yeah. You Who's going to buy, though? Uh, Who's buying? Because everyone knows about his issues. It's not a secret. you got to have somebody out there who's willing to buy. Mike, when he was batting three whatever and hitting 28 bombs before the all-star break, you would have found some buyers. Okay, but when you buy, do you buy high or do you buy low? Yes. Don't ask Baltimore Orioles when they signed Adam Jones, do you buy high or low? There's always (laughs) a sucker in baseball. (laughs) There is always a sucker. Let me put this idea out there, especially with this going on now. Why wouldn't the Texas Rangers offer Josh Hamilton a one-year deal $20 million. Take it or leave it, Josh. Because he's an athlete he has an inflated ego, and he's not going to accept that. Okay. It's been nice knowing you. I think it puts him in a great position to get a, a year of prove it. You prove it, we'll pay you. That's a, that's a tough way to go about it. That's a, that's a tough way to try and get a superstar like Josh Hamilton on board with your team to say, you know, we're giving you one year, prove it or, or, or goodbye, you know, because – Someone like him is going to want the stability in the contract. You know, he's going to think he deserves it. You know, so you give him that one million, you might just automatically insult him, and he's off. And then who knows where he's going to go? I mean, you know, like, I would, that being around, you know, when he was with the Reds organization, that the guy is not—he's not that type of guy. <laughs> Meaning, he's—he's he's got a very fragile ego. He needs to be loved. He wants to be wanted. Okay, it's like a—it's uh, a cheat trick song. It really is. And um, but that's why I don't think he lashed out at uh, when Nolan Ryan made those comments about him. You know, he wants to be the dutiful son. He wants to show everybody that that he's got his stuff together and he understands it and he wants to prove it. Um, but you know, I could be wrong. You're right. If, if I offer you a one-year, twenty million dollar deal, why wouldn't you take a two-year, forty million dollar deal? I'm just saying it gives the Rangers a good opportunity to get him at a discounted rate going forward. And and the second point to that is you're right. Uh, athletes have egos, but is Albert Pujols going to give away that $30 million a year he's going to make when he's 42? Ownership doesn't not. get that, right? So the players, Absolutely. so when when the owners have a chance to get somebody at a lesser price, they have every right to take advantage of that as well. I, I absolutely agree with that. You can't, you can't refute that at all. Um, he will, uh, you know, it is that type of situation, but I mean, it's just difficult because you're talking about your superstar. You're talking about the guy is the face of your franchise. So, g- giving him that and you know telling him those types of situ- those things, and obviously, yeah, he wants to be loved. He wants to be that guy. So, you know, maybe your plan works. Maybe he says, "Hey, I want to prove myself in Texas and pulls a carry wood like he did for the Cubs and comes back." Let me, let me make this personal, RJ. You're the Tigers. You got a chance to trade for for uh, uh, Hamilton. In June, what are you willing to give up for him? And then, Alex, you two with the Cubs, what are you willing to give up for him? What's he worth? Well, you know, I, I'm not a Josh Hamilton fan because of what I said, his injury issues, and, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't want him. But so you're not a sucker. <laughs> you're not a sucker. <laughs> I'm not a sucker, but if the, if the deal had to, had to be made, uh, on the Tigers roster, who would I be willing to trade? And we're, I'm assuming we're talking major league talent. Yeah. Um, there's the Tigers are just so. I mean, anybody in the rotation outside of Verlander, you, you can have Max, you can have Porcello, 
I mean, the Tigers don't have a lot. If it's not Cabrera or Fielder or or, or Verlander, you, you have whoever you want. And is that you equal want, value? No. <laughs> Austin Jackson, maybe. Okay. Austin, if you get if you give him Austin Jackson and Rick Porcello, I, I think that may be a fair trade, and I probably would not. I, I don't think I'd be in favor of it because we need defense in center field. How, how's that? Fair enough. I can definitely attest to that. Yeah, I agree. I would, that's a great argument right there. I mean, and plus you're giving up a guy who's what? What's Austin Jackson? Twenty five. He's six years younger than Josh Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a rough trade. And look at Austin Jackson's year this year. I don't even know if you do that now. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair trade, but I wouldn't be a fan of it. And, yeah. and Alex, giving up Rizzo and Garza for Hamilton? See, the thing is, I was going to say that. I was going to say, you know, Rizzo and Garza would probably be the best, too, because if you look at it, our best player is Darwin Castro. And, you know, that's the beloved face of our franchise right now, and that's what we have to look forward to. But saying that, Texas Rangers have Elvis Andrews. So they're not shopping for a shortstop anytime soon. And to give up Rizzo, the guy we gave up everything for, and to give up Garza, who has been a little bit of a problem for us, I mean, is it equal value? No. I don't think it's equal value for the Rangers. I don't think they're going to get in return what they're giving up because I think Josh Hamilton is still going to put up numbers. He's not going to hit 220 with 10 home runs next year and pull an Adam Dunn. That's not going to happen. But... Could I would I pull the trigger on that after seeing what Rizzo's done in 120 at bats this year? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could pull the trigger. It would, it would take a little bit. It would take a little bit of motivation, and I'm sitting down with Josh Hamilton and actually talking to him, seeing where he is mentally. Because you give up everything for your future right there, and immediately give him up for Josh Hamilton. I don't know. I don't think so. Did you say yeah, that was a good question, Michael? <laughs> what? That was a good question, Michael. Well, thank you. So, so Alex, just to clarify, you'd want to sit down and have a beer with Josh before you made that trade offer. <laughs> That's exactly what I'd want to do. I, I then hope that he goes with the Perillo and says something like that. Anything else? That's a great way to put it. I'd want to sit down with him and have a beer with him. That's a that's a nice way of uh, asking him what's going on. That's a good one. Let, let, let's yeah. keep it moving on. <laughs> that's enough Josh Hamilton talk for the day. We got a, we got the trade deadline. There were a lot of uh, a lot of rumors, a lot of deals being talked about. In the end, not a lot of big names moved. You had a couple big names get moved, but um, not to the extent that that, um, that you may may find the trade deadline just to be some massive massive deadline. Not like uh, we heard it may be. Um, I, I want to ask you guys who are the winners and losers. Of the trade deadline could be teams, could be a player. Um, Alex, we'll throw it to you first. Who was your winner of the trade deadline? I mean, I think it's easy to say the Yankees with Ichiro because I think they got the best player out of the trade deadline, and it's easy to say the Dodgers with Hanley Ramirez and Shane Victorino. But my underdog for this whole uh, trade deadline fiasco is uh, the San Francisco Giants picking up Hunter Pence. Because that's a man who has done his job on the Astros, and with nobody else in the lineup, he hit very well still with no one else on that Astros team with him. Then he went to Philadelphia and got traded right around this time last year, and he played well for the Phillies, and then this year started off with a depleted Phillies team with no Utley, no Howard, and still did his job on that Philadelphia team. Still, you know, hit for power, hit for average, and now you put him in a New York or a New York. Uh, I'm sorry, a San Francisco Giants um, uniform with Pablo Sandoval, and you got Buster Posey, and you got the hitting of the you know the hitting champ right now, other than Andrew McCutcheon, Melky Cabrera. That's a, that's a good little lineup right now. You got you got some good solid hitters, and to pick him up is nice. So I'm gonna go right, with the Giants. Of, I think uh, I like them. Couple follow-ups for you. You think the Giants did enough to hold off the Dodgers? I don't know if they did enough to hold off the Dodgers. But I know that they're going to – I would like to say that they're going to get the wild card. They'll be in one of the wild card teams for sure. So you think the Do you think the Dodgers or the, or the Diamondbacks are going to win that division? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Because if you look at the Dodgers lineup from opening day to the Dodgers lineup now, 
that is it's a complete shift. I mean, it's it's unreal what they did with that team. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers for sure. They they put so much hitting in that team that I don't see them not taking the division. Yeah. Cameron yeah. Ramirez Hank, and Victorino. Hank would love you right about now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you cannot take I don't know how you cannot take them. Look what they put in that lineup. Shane Victorino is a great player. You know, he's still going to do his. He's going to get his numbers, and he's going to lead off now. And then you follow. I mean, I looked at their, their one through four today was Shane Victorino, then followed by Andre Ethier, who they have hitting in the two-hole, which I think will change, then followed by Matt Kemp, then followed by Hanley Ramirez. I mean, that's a that's a great one, two, three, four in a lineup. <laughs> uh, and I got I, I to gotta call you to the carpet before we move on to Mike. Uh, maybe his first game jitters. I don't know, but you really think Ichiro's the best player that was moved in the trade deadline? I I think he is the best player that was moved. Absolutely, defensively and offensively, what he's going to do for the uh, Yankees? Yeah, I have to say he's the best player moved. So wow. if you had a choice between Hunter Pence and Ichiro, you'd take Ichiro. Um. Oh man. If you put him at the top of the lineup, which you can with Ichiro, and you can put him, you know, behind Teixeira and Cano and Granderson and all that in front of Jeter, yeah, I think you can. Because where are you going to put Pence? you got to put him in the two-hole with the Yankees, too. And then, I don't know. That's a tough That's a tough question. That's a toughie. I would say for Ichiro, though. For what they needed, Ichiro? they got the best player. Ichiro over Zach Grinke? Um, Ichiro over Zach Greinke. Once again, I got to go with what they needed. And if you look at what the Angels needed, they needed pitching. So maybe that was the best move for them. And they don't need an outfielder with Torrey Henner and Wright, Trout and center, and their pick of the night for between like Trumbo and Peter Borges and left. Um, I I don't know. I would I I'm hesitant to say Greinke because he is such a great pitcher, but I just got to believe that Ichiro is, is going to have such great protection in that lineup that his numbers are going to inflate very much compared to what he's done in Seattle <laughs> last year. I'd hope so. He's getting on base at a 288 cliff. But who was hitting behind him? I think he had like Kyle Seeger hitting behind him before. And I mean, I'm not a knock on Kyle Seeger, but that's not a guy who's going to protect Ichiro at the top of your lineup. That's just... Uh, Kyle Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band. <laughs> All right. Mike, who, who's your winner? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I can't say. Alex, 2005 called and they want the best player acquired in the draft uh, back with you. Or, or in the trade <laughs> wow. wow. You're going to see. You're going to wait and see. Wow. He is He is a role player at best, man. At best. Really? You're going to call each role a role player right now. He's Absolutely. platooning him. Absolutely. Really? I, you know what? I, I get it. You know, they got what they needed, and he came in and he gives them defense. He, you know, a little bit of a bat, but he's not a – I don't think he's a difference maker anymore. Can you tell me he's a difference maker right now? With the protection that he's going to get? Okay. I with, got with all the, He's never been a power guy. He's never been a, a real stolen base threat. He's a slap single hitter who plays great defense, right? Oh, he's been a stolen base guy. He stole like 40 bases consecutively. I mean, the man can still – he's already stolen two bases for the Yankees. Man. And he's, got, he's gotten one hit. He's got at least a hit every single game that he's played in them for, for them so far. I mean, I got to say the man is doing his job right now. They got him for a specific reason, and he's doing it. You know what? I'll tell you what. He's only going to get better. You, you came strong. That's good. That's fantastic. And you know what? Maybe four weeks from now, you're you're just you're absolutely correct. That's a tough one to believe right now. But if he does what the Yankees need, then then you're right. Okay. So then let me ask you this, Mike. You say that you say that about him. So I'm assuming you're probably going to go along the lines of like a Granky, something like that. But if you looked at Granky's home record, it was absolutely amazing. He pitched. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. When you looked at him on the road, his road record was terrible. It was yep. awful. It was it was just awful. So oh, with the five ERA. Yeah. Uh, so what are you really acquiring when you get someone like that? And then you can compare Hanley, but 
Hanley is not producing at the level that he produces at. He just is not. And that's, you know, not a knock on him, but he was not hitting well, and that's why they moved him out of Florida. So, I would actually on, on your team here and tell you that, that Hunter Pence, I, I, I got a man crush on Hunter Pence have for a while. And, and to me, he's, he's by far the best position player in my mind uh, that got traded. And I'm, I'm surprised he did it. You know, RJ, I know we've had this conversation in the last couple of weeks, who they were going to sell and who they weren't. Hunter Pence doesn't necessarily fit in that group of people that we thought they were going to sell. Yeah, um, I, like I said, like I think I said this last week, he's the only guy with some value on that roster. Mm-hmm. You know, Which but you'd like the younger. I guess it got um, Dominic Brown up in the lineup. You've been pushing for it for five months now, so they finally have <laughs> Show improved. We'll, we'll see if the Phillies haven't ruined him. But uh, back to Alex's point, uh, I, I would probably take Hannah Ramirez over, over Ichiro. I looked really? it up, and Ichiro, with all this protection, he's played eight games with the Yankees, and he's still hitting two fifty eight. He's getting on base two point or .281. He's obviously not slugging. Um, it, it's over for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see Ichiro just – he's too good of a ball player to drop off like that, especially in a New York, you know, atmosphere. He has the media. He's going to, you know – there isn't going to be a lot of motivation for him to play well. And um, I may be wrong, you know. I may be wrong. But as Charles Barkley says, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> my, uh, my my winner for, for the uh, deadline is the Angels uh, picking up Zach Grinke. There's a, um, you know, with with the new playoff format, there's a, there's a lot placed upon winning the division. Uh, the Angels probably won't win the division. But adding Zach Grinke, another pitcher, I think they put themselves in the best position to win that play-in game to make it to the real playoffs. Um, and for that reason, I, I picked them as my winner for the, for the deadline. You know, RJ, I gotta just just put in there real quickly that I could, I mean, my team though, the person I thought was the best player moved, or like the best move that someone could have done was getting each row. The best thing, the best thing for a team, though, was Hunter Pence going to the Giants. Well, how can you say that you don't even think they'll win the division? I mean, they're three games up now, I believe. They're, the Giants. They're, they're leading the division, and you think they're going to lose the division. How, how can you say that's the best move? They're, they're the winners. They, they should have made another move, so you think that they'll finish in first. Because they only, they, I mean, they added one person. They didn't get any bullpen help, which I think they needed because Santiago Casilla is. Falling apart, Romo, um, not Romo, um, Sergio Romo, yeah, Romo, had a uh, real bad outing recently, had two real bad outings. They didn't get any bullpen help. That's not one of the, that, you know, that's something they needed to do. That's something they needed to address, and they didn't. They just addressed their hitting. So I can see them doing really well and hitting better, and they still probably have the best ERA in the major leagues because of that starting pitching. But I don't know if they can hold on. I mean, I don't know if they can, you know, hold on to that division with Victorino and Hanley Ramirez both going to the Dodgers. You, you have a thing for old baseball players, I see. Shane Victorino, Ichiro. <laughs> I mean, those are the guys you need at the top of the lineup. I mean, those are the guys you need to get on base who are going to run for you, who are going to score on singles, you know. Those are the guys I like. I'm not a believer. There's too many questions with the Dodgers for me still. I mean, you know what you're getting from Matt Kemp, but – for, to me, Ethan is still a question. Hanley's a question. Shane Victorino talked to me in 2008, maybe. Um, <laughs> I think the Giants are still going to win that division. Really? Okay. I can. I mean, I definitely see the point in that, and I definitely understand it because of because uh, of 100 pence for sure. And I mean, that was the player I picked when you first asked me this question. So um, I got. I mean, I don't have any argument really against you in this situation, but. I just feel like the Dodgers, you know, they're they're going out there. They really made some moves. I really feel like they're going to have to hold them off. It's going to be a fight. Alex, the answer to him all the time is, listen, RJ, you're an American League guy. You just don't get it. All right? That's all you got, That's all you got to say. <laughs> so he doesn't need a hitter lover. That's okay. <laughs> it's not real baseball. Right. He loves the DH. 
Mike, who's your loser for the trade deadline? My loser, okay? My loser for the, gosh. You know, you're tempted to pick someone who didn't make a deal or whatnot. I'm going to pick a team that three games out from the best record in the National League and basically added fringe guys at this point, the Pirates, the Pirates. Now, they didn't give up anybody significantly. They got Wandy Rodriguez, who who I have always thought his numbers are better than what he is. Okay, To me, he's a number three slash four starter but on a team that had strong starting pitching. Okay, And then they get Travis Snyder and Gabby Sanchez, two guys that are typical targets of a team that doesn't have a lot of money to spend. And, um, you know, it's okay if they work out or they don't. And they're having their best year in 20 years. They've got a fan base who's just crawling for it. And we've talked about this, you know, in the last couple of weeks. There's no guarantee you're back next year or the year after that or the next 15 years after that. So when, when you've got a chance to go for it, you've got to go for it. You've got to get up in. If Hunter Pence was available, why is he not on your team? Why is Soriano, who you could have got for a song and a dance, plus the Cubs paying 80% of his salary, why is he not on your team? You need, and I wouldn't even call it selling out. You just need to go out there and make the best offer you can to, to make an impact not just for your team but for your fan base. And to me, now we talked about the, the Pirates and where we think they are, and I think we all kind of agree, that, except <laughs> Alex, uh, you may be different on this, that I don't think they, they've got staying power right now with their lineup and the team has constructed. But if they had made a big splash, man, they would have, they would have, been a, a truly strong threat for the for the Reds as well as for the wild card. So to me, they're the biggest loser because they could have done the most by adding a big player. Yeah, we we talked about how the Pirates for real. I, I think with what they did, I think ownership and the GM is telling you they don't believe they're for real and they didn't want to blow up their plan to, to go balls out this year, so to speak. And, and how disappointing is that for a fan base? That says we, it's it's August first, man. It's July thirty first. We're in it. We're, you know, we got perhaps the best or most exciting player in baseball on our team. We got a pitching staff that's doing it. You got guys that are playing above their head right now. What if we could get, you know, uh, Upton on our team? What if we get Hunter Pence on our team? I mean, don't you have to do that? Yeah, they definitely do have to do that. But they also added Charlie Marte too. I mean, I know he's a rookie, but they're hoping that he can make a splash. So. That might have been their thought process. I agree with you, though. They definitely needed a bat. Right. I'm just trying See, now, to now, think, reason there. Do you think they have staying power as it is? Because I, I, I don't. To me, they're the third-best team in the division right now. They're playing above their head, and I don't see how they keep it up for the next two months. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't have an argument against uh, against that. Um, I don't have much to say against the Pirates. That wasn't uh that's not my uh, that's not my loser in this uh, in the trade deadline, but I definitely understand what, you, what you're going with that for sure. Wow. I definitely see it because they I you were more you know, than that and liked what they were doing. And I like I like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I definitely do. I like I like what they are doing. I am a fan of them right now. But um, I mean, what you said is is done. They are you know they're in the division. They're playing above their head. They are. I can give you that. Are they for real? Are they going to be a good team next year? I believe so. And actually, I think they're second. They're second in the division. I'm sorry, I correct that. Um, they're second in the division, but I, I just I, I think they are for real. I think that's a team that's going to compete for a while. But adding a bat in this year's in this year's you know trade deadline that would have been huge for them. That would have put them in a great position to be a you know a real team this year. They are in the wild card race right now. You know they are the second team in the wild card. So. You know, that's not horrible for them, but they could have used an extra bat, but maybe they don't think they need it with Starling Marte coming up. And Marte did hit a home run in his first at bat, I will add. Yeah, yeah, he did, which was pretty cool. And the man yeah, he's he on opening day in 89. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of guys who have done that, but yeah. I mean, he was a, he was a good prospect, though, too. All right, my uh, my loser for the deadline, I talked earlier about the importance of winning the division so that you can go straight into the playoffs and you're not left to play this one game play-in where anything can happen in one game. Um, that being the case, 
my loser is the uh, Chicago White Sox. Um, you know, they're holding off the Tigers right now, but I, I think they really needed to make some moves. They were looking at Zach Grinke. They were looking at some big-time ball players to uh, try to hold off the Tigers. All they got was Francisco Liriano, and I don't know if that's going to be enough down the stretch for them to hold off the Tigers. Um, when it's looking like the two wild cards may come down to the Angels and whoever finishes second in the East, I really think that that was a team who, who needed more than Francisco Liriano. Um, therefore, they're my loser. I, uh, now, now, do you count what about Euclid's uh, coming over before the trade line, trade deadline? Uh, doesn't that kind of tip the scales a little bit for them? Uh, I don't think honestly, it's no, I'm not. Sorry about that, no. AJ. No, it's all good. I, I'm not. I'm not that impressed. I, I don't. No, to answer your to answer your question. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think it solidifies them as a playoff team. I agree with the with the Tigers going out and getting you know addressing their second base need and getting Omar Infante and getting a pitcher in Anibal Sanchez. That's huge for them. I think that was a great trade. Um, they had to give up a little bit for it. I get that. But I think that was the right move for them. I just don't think, yeah, I agree. I don't think the White Sox solidifies them. I, I like to throw in another loser that um, didn't make a trade and I think should have made a huge trade with the Yankees before the season. And as a, a left-hander who's thrown, I think, like seven quality starts in a row now that anybody would have taken, and Jason Vargas and the Seattle Mariners. I mean, you're out of, the, you're out of your, you know, you're not going to make the playoffs. You know that for sure. That's not going to happen. But you have a great asset with this guy. He's a you know, 29-, 30-year-old pitcher, you know, and he's throwing seven quality starts in a row. You're telling me no one would take him before the trade deadline? No one was going to ask and call Seattle about anything with, you know, about anyone for them? They're already building up the farm system. I don't know why they didn't move this guy. I think they're a loser in, this, uh, in the trade deadline. Nice. There yeah, is, well, that too. Now, we were talking about King Felix, too, and I heard a great point on that, that, you know, if you traded him this year, you're just not going to get major league talent for him. Um, just because of the trade deadline, no one's going to give up their pieces to make a playoff run for him. But, you know, I, I hear the people, that they're losers because they didn't trade him. But, uh, you know, you trade him at the end of the year, off season, that you can get major league talent for which the Mariners need. Uh, you know, I don't disagree with your call, though. Yeah, I, I just I just didn't get it. I don't understand it for them, especially a team that is all about rebuilding, has Jesus Montero, has, you know, just young guys on that team right now. I don't I don't understand why they didn't move this guy, but um, if they want to hold on to him because they think he's going to be around and they're going to make a move in the next three years, that's great. But, I mean, I'm looking it up, and uh, he's 29 years old. I mean, he doesn't have that many great years left in him. So... I don't know why Jason Vargas wasn't moved. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep going back to this. What's your age limit for a guy with good years? With good years? I would count yeah. out about 32, 33. Okay. And I would say your prime is somewhere like, you know, you're your best hitter. Like you said your best hitting years are so your 25 to 27. Just curious, uh, with your love affair with Ichiro of 38, I was just curious where you can't get out. <laughs> hey, he's definitely, they don't age, man. He's he's healthy as an ox. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to pay some bills and then get into the dog of the week. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital dog of the week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to update technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. 
There it is, Dog of the Week. This is the part of the show where we just tell you who that one guy, that one team who just went out there and really just did the damn thing for the week. I'm going to go ahead and go first just so I can get some reaction. Uh, it, it troubles me to, to let you guys know who my Dog of the Week is. It took me a long time. And believe me, I tried and tried and tried to come up with somebody else and just couldn't do it. Uh, Mike, my dog of the week is the Cincinnati Reds for that 10-game win streak they put together. I said it. There it is. Have at it, Mike. I think that's beautiful. It's been a beautiful (laughs) week. And finally, I've got a little bit of encouragement that you do know what you're talking about, and sometimes even American League guys get it. You know what I mean? I think we just bonded, RJ. <laughs> wow, wow. That, you know, so, so I'll, I'll take the handle over that. So, I, there's a lot of good questions. Why? You know, my, my dog of the week is, you know, being a Reds guy is going to be centered there. And you're talking about a team now that is uh, two outs away from winning 12 out of 13 without their best player in, you know, you know, le- legitimately one of the best players in baseball in the lineup. And I'll tell you who's doing it for him. A guy who really sucked the first three months of the year, and that's Ryan Ludwig. Since the All-Star break, the guy's hitting 340, and including tonight, seven home runs and 22 RBIs in 17 games. He's, he's just he's been a, a rock for them in that lineup and really has been the reason why they've been able to go forward with this 10-game win streak. And since it's about wins, Ryan Ludwig is my dog of the week. Fantasy alert. Fantasy alert. Everybody's rushing to pick up Ryan Ludwig. I think he was on anybody's radar. Yeah, you know, it's a shocker. He looked like a bad signing. They put a, a two-year deal on him, too, for $10 million before the year. But, uh, you know, right now, I mean, he's on a streak. He's he's hitting like he did, I think it was in 08 with St. Louis, maybe it was 09, when he was a legit MVP candidate. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> more power to him. I'm all for it. All right, Alex, you got a of the week for us? Yeah, I got I got a I got a dog of the week that uh I think Mike's gonna like a lot. He's in uh he's in the same uh he's in the same division and he uh plays first base for the Chicago Cubs. His name is Anthony Rizzo. And I'm gonna give him a shout out because I gotta say, after coming up, this guy has done so well for us coming up. He's had about hundred and twenty at bats and his numbers are fantastic overall for the season. But I mean his last stat line for this week is that in three sixty four, five runs, four homers, ten RBIs only three strikeouts, hasn't made an error, OPS, 1,300. I don't know how you get better than that right now, especially with no protection in the lineup. So my dog of the week is Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, Rizzo is a beast. Uh, my only question is what took you guys so long to call him up? <laughs> he actually uh, had a clause in his contract that uh, we had to play him 162 minor league games before he could get called up. So that's actually what they sat on for. They couldn't. They couldn't move him. They couldn't bring him up. He had to sit on that for a while. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was, there was that a clause. Can you ask? What was that, Mike? I said, explain that to me, Alex. It doesn't make sense to me why someone would have that in their contract. It was. Uh, it was a contract like negotiation deal that they put through strictly so that he wouldn't get moved up and that they wouldn't destroy like his what they thought his, like, mentality or his talent. So part of the deal was taking him on was that he had to play 162 games in the minors to develop. So he couldn't, you know, really complain to the Cubs or, you know, say anything to them about, you know, I should be at the major league level. This isn't fair to me, you know, all this. Instead of that, they just put the clause in. You get your 162 games in. You play a full season. And he actually split up in two seasons. And that's why he was able to come up this, you know, so early this year. But he split up for two seasons. And, um... He played his 162 games and really rocked it in AAA and uh, seems to be doing really well in the majors right now. There it is. Well, uh, Mike, yeah. Mike, you get that? <laughs> no, we're good. All right. Um, we got about 15 minutes left in the show. Um, so I, I got a – I came up with – well, let me let me backtrack here. I got this concept from Bill Simmons. Um, he, he tells a story about how he and some friends were going to the Hall of Fame, and they were trying to come up with ways to improve the Hall of Fame. And they thought that maybe the Hall of Fame should be 
in sort of like a pyramid format where, you know, the top, the, only the top of the top, the best of the best, get on that first floor of the pyramid. Then you have a second floor with some guys who were, were damn good ball players, but, you know, weren't in the pantheon of gr- the greatest of all. And, and kind of just going down the list like that, maybe having uh, four or five pyramids to the Hall of Fame. Kind of, you know, to add some add some excitement, you know, each floor of the Hall of Fame, you see a different level of ball players. But all, all, all in all, they're all Hall of Famers. So r- rather than trying to come up with who would be in our pantheon of, of Hall of Famers, because, um, you know, we we, probably, we could be here all day spitting out 20, 30 names. Uh, I asked the fellows to come up with a list of just – if I gave you one guy to put into that pantheon at each position, who would you who would you come up with? Uh, we're probably not going to have time to go through it all today, so we'll probably break it up um, over the next few weeks. Um, so this week, let, let's do the outfield. Um I'll throw it to you, Mike. Who do you got in uh, in left field in your pantheon of uh, of Hall of Famers? See, now, now I, I have to ask a qualifying question to you. Um, are we talking about building a lineup, or are we just saying the best player at each position? Because if I got to build a team, I was going a little bit different direction. <laughs> so I tell you what, I'll just go my direction, which is I'm going to build the best team to win ball games. Fair enough. That's fair. Fair enough. Okay. Well, then, I've got one one curveball for you. I think the other two will uh, line up pretty well. At left field, uh, it, it's a splendid splinter for me, Ted Williams. Last guy to hit 400, uh, a hitting machine, a leader, uh, a stalwart on that team for 20 years, and a, uh, a Navy pilot, I, I believe, um, during World War II. Um, right field, Babe Ruth, you know, uh, <laughs> you can go a couple different ways, but he's kind of the pantheon right there. In center field, I <laughs> – I went with Ricky Henderson, all right, because uh, you, you just what he does at a leadoff position and also defensively, um, I, I just thought he was a real difference maker out there, and uh, a guy that did it for twenty some years. And and you know, there's a lot of good choices out there. Maybe better choices as far as were they better overall players. I'll give you that absolutely. But if I'm starting a team and I got Ricky Henderson leading off, stealing bases, playing defense. Um, I, I know I'm going to score some runs. And we have our first surprise of the draft. <laughs> let me let me ask you this, Mike. Well, difference between Ricky Henderson and Ty Cobb, if you're looking for stolen bases? Um, well, I, I, they're, they're both similar players. Ty Cobb's a better hitter. Um, the problem I have with that is that – one, I just don't have a great grasp on Ty Cobb. I mean, let's be fair. You know, I, I never saw him play. Um, you know, the guy played 80 years ago uh, from a stat line. He, he, he's he's always been a number three, number four hitter. I want a guy who's happy hitting leadoff. Um, if i got to build a team, i got a guy that wants to hit there. Um, Ty Cobb was not a great team guy, uh, so I'm going with Ricky. <laughs> All right. I like, I like the defense. Ricky um, Alex, likes a little Ricky. Outfield. Excuse me, Alex. You there? Yeah. What's going on? Who you, who you got in the outfield, brother? Uh, my outfield's uh, pretty similar to. Um, actually, I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, Mike's uh, left fielder and say Ted Williams for sure. I mean, there's no there's no uh, getting around the guy who hit 400 for the year. Um, I'm going to go and say right field and disagree with Mike on this one. I'm going with Hank Aaron. And the only reason I'm not saying the only reason I'm not saying Babe Ruth and Mike, hear me out on this one. The only reason I'm saying I'm not just saying Babe Ruth and I'm saying Hank Aaron, it's because Babe Ruth's already in my lineup as a starting pitcher. So I already got Babe Ruth covered as the pitcher for me. <laughs> and I got Hank Aaron and Wright. And then I don't know how you can stray from Willie Mays in center field. I, Willie Mays is my center fielder for no matter what. Right. We're not there yet, but we gotta ask you to explain Babe Ruth's pitching. I, I know he was a good pitcher, but he only did it for a couple of seasons. Oh uh, right? yeah, no, I, I mean it was more of a, it was more of um, a justification for me for why I'd put Hank Aaron in there instead of Babe Ruth. But um, <laughs> you just put him in the lineup. Is that what it is? What yeah. about your DH? My DH? 
I mean, I was just thinking Joe DiMaggio because he's so Italian. I liked him out there, so I don't know. Maybe I'll just have to choose between Joe DiMaggio and uh, Dave Ruth. It's, you that's a not a bad choice, though. That. <laughs> All right, uh, my my outfield is is, uh, is Babe Ruth in right field. Um, for me, uh, I, I chose Babe over Hank Aaron because Babe did it in 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 a lot less games than Hank Aaron. Hey, Hank was very consistent, but he was able to break Babe Ruth's record because he played a whole lot more games than Babe Ruth. So th- that's kind of what tipped the scales for me to Babe. Uh, center field was tough. It, it came down to Willie Mays and Ty Cobb, and Willie went out because of the power numbers. I know the um, the fences were were insanely deep when Ty Cobb played, so there weren't a lot of home runs. But w- Willie Mays' slugging percentage, well, actually, surprisingly, Willie Mays only slugged about uh, ten points better than Ty Cobb, which was pretty striking. But those 660 home runs with Willie Mays is what what did it for me. And then in left field, I'm I'm putting Ted Williams out there, but hopefully in two or three years I get to change my pick, and uh, I'll get to throw Barry Bonds in left field once he gets in the Hall of Fame, hoping he does. But yeah, I'm taking Barry Bonds over Ted Williams. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how to respond to that, RJ. <laughs> Pre-approach, shoot, shoot holes at it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. How, I mean, okay, I'll ask you this then, to to ask you about Barry Bonds real quickly. So are you taking him before or after the steroid era? Because if you're taking the guy who's hitting 73 homers, I get that. Um, but if you're taking Barry Bonds, you know, three years into the into the league over, you know, over the guy who hit 400 for a year, I don't, I don't get that. I'm taking his whole body of work. I'm taking the 700 and whatever 62 home runs. I'm taking the uh, insane OPS. I'm taking his whole body of work. I'm not, I'm not breaking his career up at all. Okay, you're just gonna take him as one piece. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Okay, yeah, no, that's yeah, I like it. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about that? RJ, I just can't do it because the the best numbers he put up consistently, he was obviously juicing throughout that entire time. That entire time. The the first eight, nine years of his career. All right, let's break it up. The Pittsburgh years in his career, when he looked like Eric Davis, right, he was an Mm -hmm. excellent player, an all-star player. He went to San Francisco. He discovered drugs and became a superstar. And those numbers that he put up were all about – we're all about the science. <laughs> nothing to do with, well, not nothing to do with baseball. But so, so if you're able to take that and put him on the best uh, uh, that you have to offer, and that's legit, then you have to legitimize every single person who's been accused of, of juicing over the last 10, 20 years, correct? This is my thing with, with the juicing. Um, Barry Bonds. I can't say who was juicing and who wasn't. I, I believe he probably was, but who's to say the pitchers weren't? Who's to say other players weren't? Barry Bonds was doing what baseball allowed him to do. It wasn't like uh, if he got caught, he'd be suspended or punished. Baseball allowed that. That being the case, Ted Williams, I, I mean, his career, who's to say he wasn't popping greenies, which are now outlawed back then? Who's, he didn't play for a portion of his career against black ball players. Um, so there's a, a large percentage of the population who wasn't able to play against Ted Williams, so his competition level wasn't as high. I mean, everybody has a uh, – can you can put an asterisk on anybody's career. Uh, see, I think that's an oversimplification, and I have trouble with that word. Um, so let me ask you this. Who's the home run champ? What, how do you define home run champ? Who is the most home run? Who's the home run champ in your mind right now? Barry Who's Bond. the home run champ? Oh. Yeah, Barry I would Bond's the home run champ. Barry Bonds? Okay, well, that, that's it. And, and that doesn't delegitimize it. I mean, if, if you want to validate that and say that it's okay what happened during the steroid era, people obviously – and, and, and I, I really dislike when people compare greenies 
to, to human growth hormone. Basically, you know, it's like a can of jolt to keep you up and, and peppy, whatever. It's an amphetamine. It's a drug opposed to something that makes you stronger, heal faster, and, and knock the cover off the ball significantly, so much that it caused the strongest union that I believe we have in the country to change the rules about the players because it was so obvious. Um, but if you're willing to take that and say, okay, everyone did it, it's an even field, then that's fine. Then I agree with you. If, if, if all things being equal, we, we have to include those players, then Bonds deserves to be at the top of the list. Look, you said steroids make you stronger. Um, so do weights. I'm sure back when Ted Williams was playing, ball players weren't lifting weights like they are now. Does that does that delegitimize guys who are lifting weights? I mean, the game evolves, and players are going to get every advantage within the rules that they can. At the time, baseball was turning the blind eye to steroids. So if if somebody tells you, hey, you know, you can hit. 20 home runs and make uh, $5 million, but Mark McGuire's over here hitting 60 home runs and he's making $30 million. Who's not going to get every advantage they can? Does it make it right? He cheated, right? He broke the law. He no, cheated. It was not, he wasn't cheating at the time. He was using a legal drug. Yeah, he was. Steroids are illegal. Were there players not using it during well? Breaking the law is not cheating. <laughs> if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? There's a there's a Cubs quote. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you're going to throw Sammy Sosa in this mix now? That's just not fair. Oh, I never even called him into this. But, see, but that's the thing. That That's the problem that I think you have, because if you open up for Bonds, who was an amazing player before any of these steroids rumors started up, then you got to open up for McGuire. Then you got to open up, open it up for Sosa. Then you got to open it up for Brady Anderson with the Orioles. All these guys that, you know, Rafael Palmeiro. Well, you see now Palmeiro is different because you know he did it for a long time. He did it to his extent of He still cheated, but I don't think he became a superstar because of, of steroids. Um, but to me, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, I, and I agree with you. That yeah, if some this is millions of dollars. Would I have done it? That it would have been a tough decision not to do it. How many guys lost their job in Major League Baseball because they chose not to inject themselves with steroids? How many guys that deserved to make an All Star game never did, never got a shot because you got guys juicing? Uh, to me, there's just a lot of sides to the coin. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end this segment on this. Um, Mike, is Babe Ruth all? Or I'm sorry, is Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? Uh, no, no, he's not a Hall of Famer simply because of the the steroid allegations. No. So, okay, Alex, are you putting uh, putting him in the Hall of Fame? No, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm with Mike on this one. So how do you how do you explain to your kids when you watch Pete Rose? Is, is he in the Hall of Fame? Pete Rose? Yeah. Um, yeah, I put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Mike, <laughs> just no. to start up. I guess rules are rules, right? Pete Rose bet on baseball. He bet on his own team. Um, rules are rules. So no, he's so not in the Hall. You guys are okay with the major league leader in home runs and the major league leader in hits not being in the Hall of Fame. It's a museum. You go to the museum with your kids, and you're okay with your kids not seeing who has the most hits or the most home runs in major league baseball. But, RJ, we're talking about a guy who hit, seven, hit 73 home runs at the latter end of his career. At the latter end of his career. He was hitting more home runs as he got older. That doesn't happen in baseball. You like that old guys. Well, what's your issue? <laughs> I'm just saying that doesn't happen. I mean, the guy was cheating. He was clearly blatantly cheating, as Mike said. That's, yeah, all, that's just my beef. That's all I have to say about it. And actually, RJ, if, if, I had, if you pushed me on it, I would tell you that I would include Rose in the Hall of Fame because what he did as a manager never affected what he did as a player. And he was never accused of betting on baseball as a player. Um, so if I had to get pushed on that, I would tell you I would put Rose in uh, 
just be, for what you said, with, with Bonds, everything that he, not everything he accomplished, but the things that made Mike, him. Mike, let me, let me jump in real quick. Mike, uh, we're going to finish this up next week. We're going to do the rest of the infield. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week, same time. Peace.